Welcome to Allendale Market Talk Podcast. This is Greg McBride and Mike Long. And Mike, we're just going to go right in. This is the sequel to our Big Trouble in Little China conversation from a few weeks ago. And China's back in the news. Uh, and it's really never left. It's this uh, this continuing, lingering default conversation. Let's get us uh, let's get everybody caught up here and uh, uh, let everybody know what's uh, what's going on in the uh, in the markets right now. Yeah, so as right now, the week started off very uh, risk-off mentality-wise with the whole uh, China debt problem coming to light and really uh, having developers needing to uh, pay off their debts uh, last Monday and unable to for all of it and seeing as much infrastructure has gone, gone up over the last several decades and all the ghost cities that are out there and really just this overlooming problem with we're building so much and no one's living there how are we paying off these debts and you got everyone that will instantly look back at the 2008 problem housing problem in the u.s and think a very similar story uh the only difference is china at this point has their infrastructure has their uh Mits and a lot more than what the U.S. had at that time with them. Basically, the manufacturing hub, or not basically, they are the manufacturing hub of the world, and they're in everyone's business. So a lot more mm -hmm. connections on that side of things. Yeah, this uh, this uh, company at the uh, at the center of it uh, right now, which is not just just this company, but this is a big one, and everybody wants to kind of point towards. Uh, uh, Lehman Brothers uh, here in the United States, you mentioned 2008 and when they went uh, into bankruptcy and were uh, pieces were sold off and and what uh, damage that did to the uh, to the uh, economic status of the United States or the financial crisis and really kind of uh, kicking into high gear the uh, the Great Recession. And that's uh, that's what this Evergrande uh, company uh, poses to do. It's actually, I think, about six times what uh, what Lehman Brothers was uh, uh, back in 2008. And there's the, the problem with this and what's so scary about this is there's a lot of foreign money that's built into this company. And China's been on holiday for a couple of days. They go back to, to work here uh, uh, tonight. Uh, it'll be September 22nd for them. It'll be uh, uh, the evening of September 21st when, uh, for us when they go back to work. And they've got uh, this Evergrande company has, uh, I think it was roughly uh, 40 million, uh, I'm sorry, for, yeah, $40 million or $40 billion, actually, I take that back, $40 billion worth of uh, debts that need to be paid by this Thursday. And then they've got some more that are uh, due for uh, for next Wednesday. And at this point, the government of China hasn't even hasn't come in and said anything about stepping in and, and helping to avert this disaster of them defaulting on these uh, on these loans and these outstanding debts. Yeah, and it will be definitely be interesting to see how we interact on Thursday and see if we have another huge scare. We had the Dow almost down a thousand points, didn't quite make it over that thousand point threshold, but you did see it drop pretty substantially and you'd have to assume that China is going to step in and help out with this problem because obviously they don't want to see their entire economy tank. And we'll see what the uh, end goal and end result is here. But definitely a lot of questions over looming about how this will impact not only China's economy, but 
there for everybody's economy with how much they are intertwined and how much foreign investment is over there with these uh what's been shown in the past the shell companies that really don't produce anything or the mm-hmm. ghost cities that are just being built for really no good reason and seeing how this all comes to a end and really what the next turning point is because if we've seen anything over the last i mean really several years and it seems like we've never really stopped talking about china is there's just so many black swan events that can come out of this mm-hmm. and it could be extremely interesting to see which way this goes well does it bring any concerns into the uh, uh into the fold as far as what this could mean for the phase one trade deal obviously i don't think it's been nearly as as you know as spectacular as everybody thought it was going to be when it was signed in uh, uh, January of 2020. But if there's a, if there's a problem with, you know, the manufacturing uh, trade and the uh, energy trade, and then obviously the agricultural trade um, as part of this deal, that could be a a major, uh, a major issue for, uh, all of our markets as we move forward, you know, not just here in the in the beans, but that uh, overflows into the uh, to the corn. Obviously, if uh, the energies with the uh, liquid natural gas and and crude oil and all that stuff, uh, this could have very wide ranging uh, concerns. As, and on top of it, like you mentioned, with the concerns in the equities, with the Dow, the S and P, and the and the Nasdaq uh, taking a major hit as well, we've been watching these markets for some sort of a a crumble uh type effect at, at some point uh throughout the last uh, four or five years and so far it doesn't it seems like every time we're about to call it and say that's it the this is the end of the massive rally that we've seen we come back when we find buyers is that going to be the case let's say thursday is a is you know another beating uh like it was yesterday is there going to be enough people to come into this thing and prop it up, or is that uh, is that the end for a little while? What I'm really nervous about watching going forward is going to be the U.S. dollar based off all this, because you have China that's tied itself to the euro. You have, uh, obviously, the U.S. dollar, which is the dominant currency. And if you do see this tanking effect taking place and watching all these foreign currencies tank, they're tanking against the dollar and watching that dollar go skyrocketing, which makes us extremely uncompetitive. Mm-hmm. So I would be extremely worried about that. And we've seen China going and trying to get Brazilian uh, corn and beans, even though everyone knows that it's very difficult to do. They've had a lot of problems with shipping. They've had problems with producing. And yet China's still going in that direction. So maybe it's going to be less of a phase one deal kind of move and more of a dollar versus real kind of movement or dollar versus uh, uh, Ukraine's currency type of movement and things along those lines where the dollar is just way too strong for it to be anywhere competitive and really hurts us on two folds there where Mm -hmm. we're not getting any kind of money inflow into the U.S. It's just purely money outflow. Right. And that could be a huge problem going forward. Yeah. And as you as you look at, uh, you know, we'll we'll go back and we continue to to see these parallels to 2008. We we talked about this back in I think we talked about it in February and March. We talked about it in April with the respect to the way that the grains were trading. And if you look at the uh, the potential for what uh, what this means to 
uh, to these markets. Uh, this, that uh, great recession or the financial crisis actually started in 2007 and continued to uh, to spiral into 2008 and then beyond into 2009. And it was, uh, I think, crude and corn and beans all topped in about mid-July. And then the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy, which, like I said, really kind of accelerated the whole process, happened in September. And if you look at this from a from a grain perspective, there was no recovery uh, for those markets uh, even the next year. So as you're as you're going into fall and you're getting you're getting your marketing plans uh, in place and you're trying to you're trying to harvest and you're trying to get some cash sold or you're putting things in the in the bin. If something like this happens, and I keep saying if, and and that's the whole thing. We don't know. It's hard to predict for uh, you know these uh, black swan events. But if this happens, this is something that you can look at these these charts. Go back to 2009. Look at the July contract for corn. We went from uh, from six or seven dollars down to about four dollars, and the best recover we ever saw was about maybe 450 over the summer and then it backed off. So you saw a big $2 to $3 swing on these markets and they, we never get never got a chance to go back to where we were at even at that September high let alone that that previous July high. So there's there's some wide ranging implications into our own markets that we have to be very careful about and we have to remember even though we've seen markets slide into the into the fall a little bit here, we're still dealing with uh, pretty good profitable levels, right? Yeah, and it's definitely something to be watching. But besides looking at that 2008, because it was such a dramatic up and then down move, which is watching that money flow issue, looking at it more on the 2011 side of things where we did get some very good movement and we had China that was coming in here and buying a lot of commodities across the board. They were locking in a bunch of metals and everything. Uh, across the board and really the only thing that kept that 2011 rally from just dissipating was the 2012 drought so you have to think of this thing where we do still have tight supplies which very obviously could be the reason why we've seen the amount of chop we've seen and most likely will continue to see a lot of chop um, but what happens when you don't see that drought or uh, you see cancellations or you see this buying come to a halt after a year that everyone was expecting tight supplies and talking about this drought coming down from uh, North Dakota into the entirety of the United States, which just didn't materialize. And we have a big crop already. Plus, we have the demand that just falls out of bed where maybe it's a more gradual thing and you just keep waiting for that 15 cents to recover and then you're going to be looking at selling it or then you're going to be looking at doing xyz with it uh but what if it never comes what if we don't see that drought that helps propel us back to higher levels that everyone's expecting and i think that's going to be something to really sit and ponder going forward is maybe it's not going to be this dramatic down move maybe it's going to be a lot slower bleed that just becomes more and more weighted as we go on yeah, it's a good point. And and you know, as we've talked about in our in our previous uh, couple of conferences here, we've had Drew Lerner that has told us that uh, we had this uh, this maybe multi-year drier bias uh, pattern 
that was starting and it was started this year. And yes, we were drier this year and maybe it, it bleeds into 2022 and 2023. The problem is, you know, he's already backed off of uh, what he thought as far as uh, potential concerns uh, in Brazil because of La Nina. And now there's, uh, it sounds like just in the way that the, they're setting up over the next couple of months uh, down there, there's potential for a huge crop down there. That's another thing to think about. If they have a rebound in their corn side of things, as well as a, a you know, where they're going to have a record crop for uh, for beans at this point, there's going to be some some trouble there too. That's another uh, another aspect to think about is that the world supply uh, will continue to go up as well. No doubt whatsoever. You bring this from, I think, what was USDA sub 90 on the last for uh, Brazilian corn and they're projecting, a, I think it was a 128 for next year. So that is a very, very quick addition to the world balance sheet and really fixes the problem in a very quick way. Uh, so definitely a lot to be Lots to be worried about, especially with China, like we talked about earlier, really focused in on South America's grain and everything in regards to there. So it just being very, very cautious and staying in contact with your broker or whoever your marketing team is and staying in front of this and having a plan at this point. You get into harvest and it's difficult to watch the markets because, let's face it, you guys are. Uh, professional grain producers your job is to produce and take the grain and you're out there in the combines all day uh, these markets can get moving quickly especially when you're missing a lot of attention from the farmer and you're not seeing a lot of engagement there uh, the lower volume can slip away from you in a quick quick manner so definitely something to pay attention to going forward Absolutely. Absolutely. And well, if you uh, have any questions for us here at uh, Allendale, give us a call 800-262-7538. But uh, for Allendale Market Talk, uh, this is Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.